And you are listening to the Bleeding Big Blue Podcast. Alex Scott Coach is back again. A lot of things to talk about, a lot of interesting things to talk about today. On today's podcast, we have the DeAndre Baker situation, which we will cover first. Then we're going to ask ourselves, is his career over? Then we're going to jump in to Nate Solder's comments on the NFL season regarding player safety and why his career is in jeopardy. I wrote a last word on sports article about this. So let's dip into DeAndre Baker right away. So a couple weeks ago, reports came out that said witnesses are now recanting. Well, not officially recanting, but are now starting to say that DeAndre Baker was not involved in the robbery with Quentin Dunbar. So last Friday, from Pat Leonard on Twitter, he works for the NY Daily News and occasionally SNY. He's a Giants beat reporter. And a lot of people don't trust him, and I don't. But he came out with this story, and I'm quoting it. Exclusive and breaking news, video evidence, Instagram DMs, testimony, and search warrant obtained by New York Daily News Sports show payoff cover-up for the Giants. DeAndre Baker and Seahawks Quentin Dunbar further implicate NFL players in alleged Florida armed robbery. So, what this means is that going from an Instagram DM message, DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar covered up their robbery and paid off the witnesses. I must add, only one real source has really gotten a hold of it. The witnesses really haven't come out and said, okay, he paid me off, you know, he was involved in the robbery. Pat Leonard is the only one who broke this story, which, in most cases, multiple sources will cover this story first, and they will get the information first. But Pat Leonard got the information first. Now, everybody's saying, oh, well, Pat Leonard's not a good beat writer. He's very shady on that side. Well, there's two ways of looking at it. You could believe that he's shady, and he's very divisive when he comes to his editorials, especially among Giant fans. And one of the things that he said, uh, especially after this whole George Floyd thing that happened in the kneeling, I'm not going to get into that, but Pat Leonard did put that out, and he also put why Dave Gettleman is going to get fired after this year or something like that. Like, I could still see you're trying to make a job here, but don't make everything clickbait. On the other hand, you could say, well, he's a beat writer. He probably knows a source of sources to get this story out. So everybody in the beat media referred off of him, referred off of his story, and said, DeAndre Baker now covering up his robbery by paying off the witnesses via Instagram DMs. Now, I can quote was said in the Instagram DMs. There's a couple of instances here. Unfortunately, for some reason, they didn't get a picture of it. So I'm going to just read what I am seeing based off of Pat Leonard's article. Here it is. Here is one of the quotes from Dominic Johnson's Instagram that was one of the witnesses in the involvement of DeAndre Baker's robbery. He said, I made them same N-word, referring to his friends, but that way they use you know the N-word term. That said, they got robbed, come in, and say them boys ain't have nothing to do with it. Now, one of the next things says that all four victims have given sworn statements that they were paid at the office that day to recant their sworn initial statements against Dunbar by signing affidavits. Combined, the four men say they were paid a total of $55,000. Two paragraphs down says Johnson is telling Baker to come to Dunbar lawyer's office Moretti writes, that's Detective Mark Moretti of the Miramar 
police department that is in Florida, of course. Baker replied, yo, I'm in this city now getting cash. How much to bring? I'm trying to get there to you ASAP. So he is saying there basically that he's going to pay him off. That at the lawyer's office, he's going to give him the money and the four victims will recant their initial statements. Now, Johnson is a witness. He's not a victim. So they reportedly have video evidence of the payoff going down. I don't know if they have Johnson leaving the lawyer's office or whatever happened there, or they don't have the actual video of the payoff. Now, I'm going to read further into this article, but they could also be going off somebody's word or an unknown source giving this up. But I'm going to take a look at the article more, as you should too. Now, according to this one paragraph, it also says that one victim has received... $30,000 at the time in Grieco's office. Grieco is Quentin Dunbar's defense attorney. So that's going to be interesting if, let's just say, they get enough evidence. Will the defense attorney be prosecuted? I mean, defense attorneys have to defend their clients, but if it's going on in his office, that's probably going to be tampering with evidence or tampering with the witnesses, and that's a crime. And the lawyer would probably be disbarred and probably sent to prison or doing some parole stuff. They would probably get off a little easier than the people who made the payoff, which would be Baker and Quentin Dunbar. Now, going a couple sentences down, this is what one of the four victims says. One of the four victims says he was being directed that he didn't see what he thought he saw. On the night of the alleged robbery, the warrant states, this is the arrest warrant. And the victim who received $5,000 said Grieco, the defense attorney for Quentin Dunbar, walked back into the office just after the transaction had occurred and said there is no way that Grieco could not have seen the transaction. So this is some spicy stuff if, if Pat Leonard is right. And his sources, obviously. This is threatening to a lot of people when it comes to careers. This is threatening to the defense lawyer's career. And that's Dunbar's defense lawyer, not... Bradford Cohen, the defense lawyer for DeAndre Baker, and also DeAndre Baker and Quentin Dunbar's careers, especially when you're trying to pay off. I mean, there are ways that they could get back into the NFL. I mean, AB will probably get back into the NFL at some point. Kaepernick will after a disagreement on the anthem or whatever that stuff was about. And also Josh Gordon, he filed for reinstatement as well. So there are ways you could get back into the NFL. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Now, before I go to whether DeAndre Baker's New York Giants career is over and if he gets cut sometime soon, let me go into this. Dave Gettleman, and I critique him a lot and I defend him a lot, should have paid attention when it came to his character. He stated shortly before the 2019 draft, we don't have a culture problem anymore. Janoris Jenkins was cut in December. Because of a tweet that he sent to a fan and was cut days after. And then you had the idiot fans. Oh, what about Josh Brown? Oh, he had domestic violence issues. He was defended by the Giants. And now you're going to let Janoris Jenkins go after one accusation and one tweet. Oh my god, he's a key player. Well, no, that doesn't even make any sense. I said this on another podcast episode. I don't remember which one. But two different regimes. Same ownership. Blame ownership. Don't blame Gettleman. Don't blame even Pat Shermer. I didn't like Pat Shermer, but I'm going to go ahead and say they were trying to do the best for the culture. That should have not happened with Janoris Jenkins, even though I agreed with the trading Odell because Odell was such a clown in the locker room. 
But my point is, why are you blaming Gettleman and Shermer for something that McAdoo and Reese had under them? They were defending Josh Brown after the many instances. You're going to clown on Gettleman and Shermer for something they had nothing to do with. So what are you comparing? Rip ownership. Don't rip the GM and the head coach. But going back to my other point, Gettleman should have paid attention. He said we didn't have a culture problem. Well, he also should have opened his ears a little more because there were reports that he, meaning DeAndre Baker, slept through player meetings, team meetings with other coaches. He had lackadaisical effort. So there was a little bit of character issues in the beginning. But now he commits a crime. And I'm not saying... A lot of Giants fans are saying right now, oh, this is all Gettleman's fault. Well, DeAndre Baker has a played part in here too. Last time I checked in college, DeAndre Baker did not commit a crime. Now he commits a crime after the Giants drafted him. Fans can make the case, oh, the character issues right before the Giants drafted him and wasted picks for him. Okay, you can make that point. I'm not going to say that that's the wrong point to make. But he committed a crime after... And you could also blame Gettleman or whoever had control of the situation because reports also came out after this that DeAndre Baker was very lackadaisical in the field and also slept through player and team meetings and film sessions too. I guess the Giants were trying to avoid criticism there in some ways because if they would have cut him then and there, for sleeping, and they should have talked to him about this, if they did. I know Shermer wasn't necessarily a McAdoo, and he's not necessarily a judge either. He's right in the middle. I mean, he could discipline players. I mean, him and Odell didn't get along because of all the crap Odell did. And I'm not going to say it's all Odell's fault, but that relationship was never meant to be. But going back to the topic, if they would have cut Baker then, the media would have said, oh, Well, they drafted this first-round guy. They gave so many picks for him, and now they cut him. And then they obviously put that as the top of the headline, but under that, they'll say he had locker room issues or he didn't pay attention. Now, this also questions another thing. DeAndre Baker had one of the worst rookie years that a Giants rookie would ever have. Supposedly, he couldn't get to the playbook of James Betcher Oh, it's too complicating. I'm still not there yet. Whatever he said that basically gave it away about Betcher's scheme. Was it complicated? Probably. Because he wanted to make this arts and crafts defense where you go here, you go here, you blitz here, you cover here. Okay, I get that point. But should we call into question his effort and would he have been a better cornerback? Now, you had a whole young secondary. You had Corey Ballantyne. You had Antoine Berthea, which was the veteran safety that didn't do crap. You had Sam Beal coming back. And eventually Julian Love, who was the best out of them, to be honest with you. But do we call into question that he could have had a better rookie year if he actually paid attention to his film sessions and actually played? But going back to the media subject, they would have put, oh, Giants cut first round pick. They would have put that at the top of the headline. And then they would have put the bottom, locker room issues, and not paying attention. That's what the media would have done. That's the difference in that situation. Plus, you're also midseason in a rebuild. And they would also said, oh, Dave Gettleman fails at culture. Well, I mean, he hasn't necessarily kept his promise on culture, knowing that Janoris Jenkins 
did something that really shouldn't have been done. And now Baker goes on and does this. But now, with this coming out, everybody's still going to freak out on Gettleman. People will obviously freak out on Baker, which I could see, obviously. But people are going to say, why didn't you recognize this culture problem or this back months before? Well, to be honest with you, if the Giants were having so many problems in their secondary and Baker wasn't paying attention, I don't know what you would have done in that situation. Because you're going through a rebuild, you're trying to do as best as you can to build a team knowing your ass is going to be on the hot seat, and then you have this cornerback, this first-round rookie, just playing and dancing around and crap, and not paying any attention, and you got rid of some guy who stood up to the head coach previously, and you know you're going to get that criticism. So, it's a lose-lose situation because of the chance you took. I'm not going to say it's all Gettleman's fault, or it's not his fault. Partially, some of this is his fault because he didn't pay attention to the factors back in April 2019. Those were character issues. This is a crime. This is a crime, and Gettleman could do nothing to prevent that. DeAndre Baker could. But he decided to be a jack-off and decided, well, I'm going to commit this crime even though I'm only one year into my rookie contract, and I had a horrible rookie season. So, it's a lose-lose situation because of the chance you took, as I said. But, again, to finish off this topic, it's not all Gettleman's fault, but he should take some blame for not looking at the cones. And, for some GMs, you have to take risks. You traded OBJ, that's a risk. And keeping him was a risk, let's be honest. Because the Giants were going through a full-fleshed rebuild, trying to rebuild their offensive line, trying to rebuild their defense. The Giants were not winning for a couple of years. And you're going to have OBJ sit in the locker room crying about he wants to win. I get it. Trust me. The fans actually have to go through this crap. The fans are not being paid unless you're a season ticket holder and actually have the privileges. But it's not even close to what a player gets. The fans are the precious ones. And I'm going back to the media too because obviously everyone wants to critique the Giants and stuff. They're not the ones paying for tickets going to the games. The fans are. That's where that goes. The broadcasters and... Listen, I want to be one. I want to have my own radio show when I get a little bit older and get more progressed. But critique in the New York media, you also have to appreciate fans who come out and have to see this crap. They don't get paid to do it. It's their choice. But going back to the Odell thing, you're taking a huge risk either by trading him or by keeping him because he's still going to cry about winning... Something he wants to do and something everybody wants to do. He wouldn't be patient enough and he knew all that money was for him. To be honest with you, I think he's a self-righteous guy. In the opinion of he's only about himself and for his stats only. Because for all the years in his career other than 2016, that's what he's been. Because I'm not going to say that it's his fault that teams don't win. Especially the teams he was on. Going back to the Browns last year too. I mean partially him, but... Some of the things didn't work out and Freddie Kitchens was fired. But that's a whole other topic. Again, but you have to take risks if you're a GM. Odell would have complained a lot longer. And more and more fans, me saying this, would have gotten on the Giants' side to trade him. If he would have complained a lot longer. But then you have those clowns saying after the Lil Wayne, Josita Anderson video, oh, why don't Eli throw it downfield? Odell's right. Odell went and talked crap about his quarterback then. And I'm pretty sure Odell don't throw the ball to himself. 
And I'm also pretty sure that he wouldn't have been happy if Alex Tanner or Kyle Lawlena was his quarterback. Because those two were not better than Eli. I'm sorry, I have to say it. A lot of clowns like to say different, but that was the case. Eli was throwing checkdowns because he wasn't getting the protection. And when he got the protection, he couldn't look downfield because he was so used to getting sacked. But to finally cut off this topic about Dave Gettleman Jim, you have to take risks. And unfortunately, this risk did not pan out for the Giants. Going back to DeAndre Baker's career now, is he going to be a Giant in the future? Now, the Giants have been seeing the facts with this Aldrich Rosas thing and now the DeAndre Baker thing with everything that comes out now. So, if there are advancements in this trial or arrest warrant or whatever, if there's progress on this case, I think the Giants will let DeAndre Baker go. Because they can't stand to have the criticism on this roster and the hypocritism, if you want to say, or hypocrisy, whoever you want to freaking call it. And it would be bad for their locker room, especially if he's going through this crap. Now, obviously, Joe Judge said, worry about your legal issues before you resort back to football, because it's more important. Now, a lot of Giants fans saw that as Joe Judge wants nothing to do with DeAndre. DeAndre is likely going to get cut. Now is a different story, and it's even more deepening towards their thoughts because of what just came out now, whether it's true or not. So it's going to be interesting, but I think the Giants go ahead and cut DeAndre Baker soon. But then you're going to have those Giant fan idiots that go out and say, oh, you didn't cut Algic Rosas yet. Nobody's going against the police's story that he was involved in a hit and run. Well, you know what? Either the Giants waited out or they cut both of them. They're in a complex position because of the ill-advised decisions both of these players made. So it's going to be interesting. To finally cut off the topic, do I think DeAndre Baker's Giants career is in jeopardy? Of course. Would it be right to cut him? Yes, in my opinion. Would it be right to see the facts out too? Yes. So that's why I have to say on the Baker situation. And then you have the media. Now in this case, all beat writers and all that. So Jordan Ronan tweeted that... Pro Football Talk, which is Mike Florio, was quoting the defense lawyer or the defense lawyer that wasn't even representing Baker in the legal situation. He was representing him inside the NFL situation, what he was going to do or what was going to happen to him in the case of is he going to get punished or not? And Jordan Ronan goes, why are you quoting the lawyer that's in the NFL side of things and not the legal side of things? They went at it, I think. That's what I observed, to be honest. Now, why are we hyping up this whole thing based on what a lawyer said? And someone also said, oh, uh, Bradford Cohen also said that all the stuff is not true. Well, I'm pretty sure that lawyers took an oath to defend their clientele. I'm pretty sure that's what they did. I mean, I'm not a lawyer, but I could tell. So my point The media is trying to hype up more than actually is in this situation. They're hyping up the really the wrong things. And Giant fans are too, but it's really the media. I want sports to come back, more baseball, more football, so that this topic about lawyers quoting each other doesn't have to be so big and so clickbaited and so misrepresented or however you want to call it, so hyped up because nothing else is going on. So that's what I have to say about that. Don't make... A big nothing into something just because you're in a Twitter war. That's my opinion. And to be honest, I'm not a fan of Mike Florio's. Jordan Ronan, he's a beat writer, but he's probably one of the most respected, in my opinion, out there. He's respected by me, at least. Not Pat Leonard being one of them. 
Art Stapleton's not one of them in my list because I think he's very contradictory with some of his statements. Patricia Traina apparently takes down tweets that contradict what she said earlier or possibly that, let's just say she predicts something, something's wrong, she'll delete that tweet. But also to talk about the beat media before I go into the subject, I know I'm delaying it a little bit, but let me put this out. And Justin Pennick or Bobby Skinner brought it up to me before I had the interview with Dan Duggan. Why was the beat media so into the Isaiah Simmons, Mekhi Becton, or Tristan Wirfs pick? Like, they said those three, one of them is going to be the NFL draft pick. Well, they picked Andrew Thomas. The Giants could have changed their mind right that. But why is the beat media misleading us to think that they're going to take one of those offensive tackles before they go out and select Andrew Thomas? So... They're great to have for sources, but they shouldn't be overhyped with something like that because they screwed up in the end. Now, I'm not saying you have to spoil every draft pick, but again, that just shows some of the leaks with the beat media and stuff. But my next topic is about Nate Solder. Let me interrupt this Nate Solder topic real quick because I just found something that is so inconsistently stupid, I can't even explain. Okay, let's go on Madden EA ratings. They usually try to screw them up somehow, and they have already this year, but this one really got to me because it's the Giants and because it's Daniel Jones, okay? So here's what I discovered. Now, my brother was looking up Madden EA ratings for Madden 21, obviously. So I'm searching Twitter for a straight answer when it comes to Daniel Jones overall because they screwed him last year. I think they gave him like a 68 or a 64 or something like that because... They rated him lower than Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson was an undrafted free agent for the Buffalo Bills. So I stumble on multiple tweets. And here's one by Smitty1894, quote him, whatever. At EA Madden NFL. I won't buy your shitty product anyways, but having Daniel Jones as a 68 overall is an absolute disgrace. Go fuck yourselves. Excuse the language, everybody. Are you kidding me, EA? Everybody was talking about, and Ryan Moody was the main guy for this hashtag, Fix Madden Franchise. I was a part of that. I support him. I watch his Madden YouTube videos. But Daniel Jones, a 68 overall. If this is truly it, I don't know what to say about EA anymore. I mean, they're truly screwing themselves up. Everybody saw what Daniel Jones was last year. Yes, fumbling is an issue. Maybe lower that overall, and then just keep everything else where it should be. Instead of totally degrading. And maybe they probably go and buy PFF or something. I don't know. But PFF likes to degrade Daniel Jones. And it seems like Madden EA has gotten on that train as well. So I'm very pissed about this. They also got Aaron Jones as a higher overall than Saquon Barkley. Jones is the running back for the Green Bay Packers. They also did a lot of other mistakes. Which is no surprise to me. Because nobody could get an overall correct in that department. And again... Proves my point. There are a bunch of nobodies who don't even watch the game of football and refer to what their bosses or assistants are telling them. Again, the short little rant, but proves my point every year. I wonder what Nate Solder's overall is going to be. He was a 74 or a 75 last year. I'm going to make a guess here. I'm going to make a guess, everybody. 68. Guessing that one right now. Let's see what happens when that overall is actually released. 68 is my bet. As much as... Daniel Jones. And who knows? They play off each other, according to Dan Duggan, and which I could agree with. But, again, 
They're not as bad as 68 overall. Solder, you could probably give a 72 or a 73. Jones may be higher than that. Jones was the second best rookie quarterback in the league, and I will admit Kyler's better because he's got a lot more speed, fumbled less, but Daniel Jones is the second best rookie quarterback when it comes back to last year. So EA, again, they try to screw up their game anyway, anyhow. Franchise, obviously they screwed that up, and they're never fixing that, whatever the guys for EA said, oh, we're going to fix it, we have to make some bug changes or whatever. I didn't listen to the message they said because it's a load of crap. To be honest with you, I didn't want to watch that garbage and I didn't feel like wasting my energy or brain cells. But again, EA, again, trying to screw up their game because they're only a football game. And everybody knows that the players and NFL signed off on it because, oh, we get money. So this is my short little rant. And now let's actually go into the Nate Solder topic that I actually wrote a last word on sports article about that. If you haven't noticed them already, go check out their website. They got hockey. They got college football. They got Canadian football. They got a lot of sports. Definitely check them out, guys. So everybody in the NFLPA, and I think they have a representative board full of players, started saying, oh, well, if they don't protect the players properly from COVID-19, we're not going to play this season. And... The NFLPA and the NFL are talking about this opt-out option like they have in the MLB, which guarantees their full salary, even though they didn't play. Now, Nate Solder tweeted this on Twitter a couple of days ago. He said this, If the NFL doesn't do their part to keep players healthy, there is no football in 2020. It's that simple. So, I took it upon myself to write an editorial, or at least an article about this. On Last Word on Sports, it has yet to officially be popped out and published with a link yet. So, I basically said, why is opting out a bad option for Nate Solder? Career-wise. Now, I know he has a son going under chemotherapy. He has some type of cancer, which I honestly feel bad for him and I wish the best. But, I was looking back on his career-wise. Now, if he opts out of 2020... Here's the situation right now, whether you like it or not. Nate Solder is supposed to be one of the starting tackles this season. Whether Thomas plays the left side or the right side, Solder will do the opposite of him. Now, a lot of people are saying, oh, why don't he play at left tackle? Give Zeitler next to Thomas, and then they'll work on each other, and Zeitler is a respected veteran. Make your point, whatever. So, let's say Nate Solder does not play this season and elects to opt out. Now, this is pending on anyone else opting out this season you have Andrew Thomas at left tackle you have the left guard being Will Hernandez center likely Spencer Pulley right guard Kevin Zeitler now this is opening up the season and also in the preseason as well competition right tackle either going to be Cameron Fleming Nick Gates or Matt Peart Peart is a developmental tackle out of UConn everybody saw that everybody addressed that once we drafted him so it's going to take a little bit for him to get along to the NFL now, Nick Gates, who's a guard and a tackle and a, basically a swing lineman, he could play right tackle. We saw that against the Eagles. We saw that against the Jets. We also saw him play guard against the Miami Dolphins. So he's a swing lineman. And also Cameron Fleming. He could play, I think, a little bit of guard, but mostly he's a tackle. Now, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience, which would be a minus in most situations, but he has more experience than Nick Gates does. But Joe Judge has already addressed training camp. They will address it by the best player in the competition will win the competition. Now, Nate Soto doesn't play. So you open the season with either Gates at right tackle, Fleming at right tackle, or 
whatever the missing spot is with Nate Solder, wherever they're going to play him, because Thomas is likely playing left tackle. I don't see any other giant playing left tackle other than Thomas or Solder, because Nick Gates, he hasn't really played left tackle a lot in the regular season. He actually has never done it. With other tackles, Eric Smith, I'm pretty sure you don't want to put him there, especially with a fourth overall pick. I'm pretty sure you're going to put your momentum in that fourth overall pick, and the right tackle is just going to be whoever. Now, looking at Nate Solder's situation, if he opts out, the Giants will probably be looking to get rid of him in 2021. Why is that? Because at that time, Matt Peart should be ready to play right tackle in the NFL. He should be ready to start on that offensive line. What's the use for Nate Solder then? What's the use of paying him so much money for him to be a backup and sitting on the bench? The Giants would cut him at that point because right now they don't have the cap space to release him and then eat all that cap money. Next year is a better situation for them. So why sit somebody and pay him so much money? That's kind of like the Eli thing that everybody was talking about. But on the Solder thing, the Giants would probably get rid of him. Say other teams are looking into him, right? 2021 free agency. They're looking into him, and the last year they will look upon is 2019. Gave up 57 pressures and 11 sacks. Did not miss a game, though, which is key. But teams, by looking at film and looking at other stats, they could see that a 32-year-old tackle is coming out of his prime. And Nate Solder was never a Pro Bowl tackle to begin with. He was average. He was suitable. He's not this star offensive tackle like Joe Thomas that's going in the Hall of Fame. Probably not. I'm going to bet my ass on that. But the NFL has really tightened its grasps on younger players and players with more offensive line talent. We've seen in the last couple years that they're drafting more offensive linemen but not getting much out of them. Eric Flowers being an example, but that's all another topic. Obviously, it relates to this situation because Solder was supposed to replace Flowers and then that was a train wreck. So... As far as health goes, he should make the best decision for him and his family. But he has to look at his career. Because when you're not playing in 2020, a rebound year that you should have, 2019 was the worst year of your career, probably. And then 2021, when the Giants don't need you anymore, if everything goes right, they won't need you anymore and they'll let you go. And going back, again, teams will look at you as coming out of a prime tackle that they don't need. Unless they will sign you to a short-term deal and replacing somebody who maybe tore their ACL or is out for like four games or something like that, Nate Solder is not much of a use to the NFL after that. Unless he proves it this year and decides to play football, unless he proves it that he's still got something of his career, the future doesn't look bright for him in his career and that is something he's going to have to stumble upon and think very hard about. When he's debating if he should opt out or not. So that is the end of podcast episode 29. This Saturday will commemorate the three month anniversary of when I first started my podcast. Or maybe the 19th. But still this weekend. Thank you guys for supporting. Follow our social media pages at Bleeding Blue Podcast. Most notably the Instagram and the Twitter pages. Download our podcast on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. It is also available on Overcast and CastBox. I had no idea that our podcast was on there. I mean, I didn't even host it on there. I just did Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify and Podbean, but eventually made it to there for some reason. But that's a good thing. We reach out to more viewers that way, those who use those sites, but obviously aforementioned are primary. 
subscribe to YouTube's channel if you have not already with the Madden streams and the other videos and the film videos and also podcast episodes if you can't get it on those other apps. Thank you guys for listening and we will see you on Thursday.